he was. <clears throat> Excuse me. Little, little raspy there. But good morning, everyone. It is Monday. We know that is Monday Mindset with Two Sisters. And we just were super excited. We got a great guest today. But it's Carol Sue, a.k.a. coming off of a great weekend. Nani Boss live with two Sisters, hey, good morning, everyone. It's Janice, aka Wellness Diva 5.0. Um, back to my somewhat regular schedule, which is awesome because you know, when we are in tune or in line with our um, daily routine, it just makes us feel bubbly. And I'm feeling a little bubbly today. So look out. Because I'm actually getting back to the courts this morning. I, you know, had, had quite a few days off. Our, our pickleball schedules were opposite and then I was engrossed in other things. So you're absolutely right. Uh, it feels good. Uh, and it, I love it when it happens on a Monday mindset. It's just like, it's a burst of energy. Yeah, it sure is. And of course we have an amazing guest on today. And before I do her formal introduction, um, I just want to say we never really hear or talk about our kidneys. And today's guest, she, her name is Jen Hernandez, and she is a registered dietitian and a certified specialist in renal nutrition. So we are super excited to welcome to the Two Sisters podcast family, Jen. We're so excited you're here. Good morning. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a wonderful way for me to start off the week talking about this with more people, because like you said, I mean the kidneys aren't something that we really think about until something happens. And then it's all we think about. So I think it's really, really great for us to be chatting about this and be more proactive and just kind of connecting the dots of how to take care of ourselves in, in this way. And I got a, I got a question right off the bat <laughs> uh, because it is some something, because obviously we, uh, Jan and I are also in the nutritional industry and, you know, we often talk about how impactful water is to make sure that we're flushing out our system, but also it's a great way to make sure your kidneys are working correctly and whatnot. And with a lot of different programs that are out there, and I'm in particular 75 hard, <clears throat> where they require, uh, I believe it's about a gallon a day. Is it a, yeah. a gallon of water a day? Now we know because respectively in our 60s, that as you age, your body cannot absorb that type of like it's like the, the the rule of thumb generally is you know half your body weight in water to really get a good flush but as you age you cannot consume that half your body weight in water most of the time mm -hmm. and it has to do with your kidneys why well i mean that's definitely is that, is that what's happening um it could be there's a lot of factors i mean as we're getting older yes the kidneys just like other organs in the body after years of use, it's just, it's harder for them to work as well as they had before. So that is definitely a potential factor. Uh, a lot of people will have earlier stages of kidney issues later in life. Um, and it might never go into kidney failure or the need for dialysis or transplant, but they mm -hmm. might be like stage two or stage three with just some kidney damage. And that can shift how much water our body needs. It could be more, it could be less. It's very, it's very tough to say, um, like a blanket statement of, oh yeah, definitely this is going to happen or we should right. pay for it. Uh, because then there's other layers of our health. I mean, some people could have like congestive heart failure. And then that means like having a lot less water to make sure it's not putting pressure on the heart. Um, but in general, yes, as we get older, not only is it kind of a shift of 
what our body needs, but it's also what our body tells us we need. And that's a really big thing too. Uh, I mean, a big chunk of my early dietetic career, I worked with the elderly in like long-term care and hospitals and dialysis centers. And we, when we get older, we tend to lose our thirst cues. We don't realize we're thirsty. And if, if anyone out there has ever cared for an elderly person, you can see oftentimes how difficult it is to get them to drink water. Cause they're just, no, I'm not thirsty. No, it's okay. I don't need anything. It, it's just not there for us. We're more younger and we're thinking about it a bit more, whether it's hot or we've been exercising or it's just more just naturally thirsty that goes away as we get older. So that's a part of it too. Okay. We just don't really, we're just not aware of it as, as much for the importance anymore when we're older. And okay. go ahead. Why would you think, how do I ask this? As we mentioned, you know, kidneys, it's not something that we think about. And as you said, not until we need to, like something drastic happens. What are some typical things that we can do as we age or even today is something that we can change. Like for instance, if somebody doesn't like drinking water, they know they should drink water. What are some um, tips that you could give for that? Well, I mean, in line of the season changing right now, I don't know about you guys, but it went from like the seventies here to forties for a high. Like we've had a, it's, it's now officially freezing. And so it's, it does change the idea of drinking more water, but it is a great time to drink more tea. So hot tea is basically infused water, which exactly. Yes. That's what I drink every morning. I drink uh, a uh, organic green, very low uh, in, in, in the caffeine piece to it uh, with a teaspoon of the local honey to kind of keep up on track of you know, everything that's blooming in Florida, but always, always hot tea in the morning. That's yes. my favorite. Yeah. And it's a great way to get more fluids and to be more hydrated. Uh, coffee can still be a part of that hydration too. So people think, oh, it just has to be water. Right. That's not true. We're looking for fluids, ideally unsweetened fluids. Like I'm talking like sodas and juices and things right. like that we want to be careful of, but even coffee, um, having a routine cup or two cups of coffee per day is fine. And, and the body knows what to do with a consistent small amount of caffeine. It's, it's like the, right. I've had one, two pots of coffee. That's where it gets a little harder. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Now, when would someone know, um, obviously, as you said, you've worked with the elderly in, in, in different, um, settings and whatnot. When would the average person typically know that maybe something is not right with their kidneys? I, I, this is like the hardest part, honestly, because kidney disease is known as like a silent killer because there can be no symptoms and nothing to outwardly tell you that something is going on. Some people think, oh, you know, kidneys are my back and I would probably have some back pain or something, but that's really not the case. Um, what has to be looked at are the labs and traditional healthcare isn't as proactive. And I'm trying to say this like delicately because there are a lot of great people in the healthcare that world that do look at it proactively, not everyone, but it is improving. Uh, but there are labs that you can look at in your blood work that I always tell our clients, our students, uh, everybody in our world, like keep asking questions about them until you understand and you feel comfortable with the answer. So 
in the lab work, there is, um, well, you have a, a type of lab called the uh, Comprehensive Metabolic Panel or CMP. Yeah. This is something that includes a few labs related to the kidneys that you can look at. So there's one, uh, the probably the most common one people know of is GFR, which is glomerular filtration rate. And the GFR is basically an estimate of the kidney filtration rate, how, how much the kidney is functioning. And we really look at it as a kind of a percent. So typically the GFR will be at least 60 or over. And that would indicate the kidneys are working adequately for a person's age. And there is an age factor in there. Over time, like I said, the kidneys won't function as much. So they kind of, they, they adjust that GFR value based on our age. Um, and so you look at the GFR and if you see that it has that L, that low indicator next to that number, that's a really good time to ask your healthcare professional, hey, like what's going on here? What does this mean? Do we get it rechecked? There's a lot of factors that can influence that number. Um, number one, especially dehydration, that it could just be kind of falsely low. But really what's important is talking with the healthcare professional to see what the plan is. And I am, again, a very big advocate of, you know, pushing for your own care because Unfortunately, some people will say, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing. And, you know, let's just, let's just deal with it later or whatever. But I have had clients come to me who said they actually, after we talked about this, they went back through their past labs and saw for years that this number was looking a little bit low and it wasn't addressed. And they didn't, because the healthcare provider hadn't brought it up, they thought nothing of it. They're like, oh, they, they would have said something, but in only, only lately, only in the past couple of years has there been more of a push and interest, no, not interest, a push in early stage kidney health protection. It used to be, it's a chronic illness. There's nothing you can do about it. Once it happens, you are, you wait until your kidneys fail and you wait until dialysis or transplant. Uh, but now we're seeing more proactive measures that can be taken more evidence-based research that shows we can do something early. So we as dietitians are reminding people like go out there, look at your labs, ask questions, make sure you understand what's going on. Because if you do see something funky, you can jump on it earlier and there can be changes that can be made. And what would some of those, let's say I go to the doctor and I'm having this conversation and what are some of the questions that maybe a patient could ask that they've seen their labs, they've seen this L number, what would be a good question to start with? Because a lot of times I think there is that, I want to say white coat syndrome, or maybe, um, <laughs> excuse me, the patient may be almost afraid to question the results or, you know, ask more in-depth questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the white coat syndrome you mentioned that can also cause higher blood pressure, which is one of the top causes of kidney damage. So if you notice that you have higher blood pressure going into the doctor's office and you see this value asking your healthcare professional, what is going on in my health that could increase my risk of kidney damage? What are you seeing in my past medical history? What are you seeing in my family medical history? What are you seeing in my labs that could suggest this is something we need to look into further? So just asking them why, like, why is this happening? Why would it be, why would it be low? Why would it be for me? 
uh, and, and kind of just continuing to dive into it. And it's not necessarily the healthcare workers or the, the physicians um, responsibility to like know your background of your health and your family health. So it, it is a team approach. And so the patient also needs to be really they need to be very direct and they need to be honest about what, about their lifestyle. They need to be honest about their family history, because that is a big part of the puzzle that the healthcare practitioner can't help with if it's, if it doesn't come from the patient. So talking about anything that, that you feel like, oh, well, actually my mom's side has a history of high blood pressure, which again, is one of the top causes. And then my dad's side has a history of type two diabetes. And that's the other top cause of kidney disease. So then we realize, okay, so now you have a higher risk of kidney damage because of this family history of these problems that if they're not taken care of, they can lead to kidney damage. So this is something that you can just really kind of open the conversation with what's been going on so that you can move forward with how to best treat it. And we always talk about approaching things from that root cause of what is causing the kidney damage. I have a lot of people who ask me or who, who say, okay, well, my creatinine, which is another lab result, my creatinine is high. And that's that waste product that's collecting the body when the kidneys aren't able to get rid of it. And they'll say, how do I lower my creatinine? And like, we got to work. We got to go back. We got to figure out what's going on with the kidneys and what's been causing the kidney damage. And that's how we lower creatinine. We can't, you know, take something or drink something or get 10,000 steps a day and creatinine will lower. It's you've got to figure out what's causing the kidneys to be damaged, work on that inflammation. And then that kind of, uh, is a downward effect or a domino effect into other aspects of the health. Hmm. I, I, it sounds like there's so many um, outside mitigating factors mm -hmm. that may be, um, for instance, one side of the family that high that has high blood pressure, maybe maybe would not occur to that person to say, "Hey, my my dad's side, um, you know, has a history of high blood pressure," um, <laughs> and it sounds like the more well, the little details are, will show us what the bigger picture is, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say in kind yeah. of a roundabout way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all these little things that uh, can have an impact on kidney health, whether we realize it or not, because a lot of people have high blood pressure. Uh, let's see, over half of Americans have high blood pressure, but not everybody knows about it. And how can you treat something? How can you improve something if you're not even aware of your high blood pressure. So it, it really does come down to figuring out all these little things and just being aware of these potential opportunities of what we can fix, because we can definitely make a lot of great diet and lifestyle changes to improve, improve blood pressure, which then improves mm. kidney function and protects kidney health. Right. Which, Carol, so I think goes back to what Jen was saying that you can't just say, okay, here's this pill or here's this whatever today. Mm -hmm. You have to go back. And I, and I think uh, part of that whole conversation uh, for many people is awkward. You, you know, we're coming from uh, different generations of when you went to your, you know, physician and your whoever was caring for you, 
you know, they kind of told you what was going on and you accepted it. You didn't ask questions. If they prescribed that prescription, you took it without even thinking about it. And I don't know whether it's an intimidation factor that they know more because they're the experts. But I always say, do not discount, do not discredit the value of knowing your own body and how it operates because you are your best advocate to let that person, that caregiver know, hey, we got some things going on here. Uh, you know, even if it was, hey, I've learned a little bit about uh, kidney function that I otherwise would not have known. You know, I would like the following tests being done or where they're already part, part of another test I've had in the past. Can mm -hmm. we dig up those records to see if there was any fluctuation in uh, my kidney numbers? We've never spoken about that. I think too many people get this notion that they're not allowed to ask questions on their own behalf. And it's not a question of that they're not even allowed. So I think they almost feel like intimidated for, for a lot of people that I speak to. Like, you know, you, you can't ask the doctor questions. Well, sure you can. And we are our best advocate, especially, you know, I would say nine out of 10 times, at least every time I go into the doctor's office, they we double check, you know, your, your history on either side of your family. How, are there any changes? Um, and they go through everything. So, you know, we're now, we've got some great information that <clears throat> can really help the next time that that person goes, if, the, if, you know, right now they don't feel there's anything wrong, I wouldn't rush, but certainly that next time that you have the opportunity where you're having that conversation with your doctor to bring it up, especially if you have high blood pressure, diabetes, even alcoholism, all these things are different factors in, you know, where possibly, uh, you know, I've actually just speaking to uh, our uncle who has been hospitalized and they think he has um, uh, uh, spinal stenosis, which can impact the kidney, mm -hmm. uh, which that was the first I heard of it. And he says, yeah, don't you remember Auntie Patty had all her issues and she was like, all bent over all the time. And he said it really impacts, they're finding different things in different tests. So you just never know. But I think the more that we are, we educate, uh, even on traditional lab work for people, a lot of people just, oh, I gotta, you know, they're, they're taking vials, but does anyone bother to, oh, follow up with them instead of just the nurse practitioner or the doctor saying, oh, your labs came back fine. Well, what does that mean? Like, is there anything that there is a difference in a number that possibly, and we don't take the time. I think part of it too is the doctor squeezing in as many patients as they can, so they, they limit, but that still should not be a deterrent for someone to ask those questions. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's definitely been a history of like a power imbalance in that in that appointment time when it's just the doctor and the patient and it is the expert coming in to tell the the novice of what's going on. But yeah, you're right. Everybody is their own expert of their own body. And this is something that we also talk a lot about, especially for people who are in stage five kidney disease who aren't on dialysis, but they would otherwise, based on paper, they would qualify for dialysis, but they're choosing to stay off, for di off of dialysis as long as possible. And we, they really need to trust their body and they need to pay attention to what their body is telling them because they're in a fragile state. And a lot of doctors will say, yeah, but your GFR is 10 or nine or something. And, and you, you should be on dialysis, but that whole, that whole concept of 
how and, and when to start dialysis is really changing now to where it's not just about what the labs say, it's what the person says. And if they feel okay, if they feel good, or if they feel sick, because at that small, I mean, less than 10% of kidney function remaining at that time, it's incredibly fragile, a delicate state, but there are a lot of people who can actually manage their, their health conservatively and still feel good. And it's just a matter of paying attention to how they're how they're feeling and what their body is telling them if, and when they need to use this life-saving treatment, mm -hmm. but, uh, people do tend to lose that trust of their body when they go to a healthcare professional and that professional is telling them what their body should be doing or should be feeling. Right. So yeah, it, it's a matter of empowerment, you know, for that, for that mm -hmm. person to feel like it's okay for me to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. because this is this is my time this is what I'm paying for and I, I need to know um not just and you know again I think it goes back to you know just they're cramming so many patients in at once and you, you know you you can tell you know when that doctor comes in and if they're not really I always say are they in the present moment with me are they thinking about the other five charts that are out on the and I'll sometimes I'll ask that question mm -hmm. and I'm grateful and thankful that uh, the person that I have, uh, the, the PA that I deal with all the time, she'll she'll say, oh my God, I am so sorry. I've got like, this is good. Like, she'll start telling me, not in detail, obviously, because of, of HIPAA, but like, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if my schedule allows for me to wait a little bit longer. And I said, well, that's a role reversal because most professions in that particular field, you have that 245 appointment. It's not unusual for you to be waiting an hour and a half before you get to see that doctor. So, you know, and that's another piece to it, you know, really being in touch with your doctor and whoever the office is and saying, look at my time is of value too. I want to make sure that I'm scheduled at a time that I'm going to get a, that person's full attention, that I'm not going to feel rushed or that I have to wait an hour and a half and then I, I barely get 10 minutes. So I always tell people, try to schedule first thing in the morning, if at all possible. The later you get on the day, the more chances that your time is going to be limited uh, so that, that's probably my biggest recommendation. Try to get an appointment first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, it's so like you mentioned where it's, you, you might have a short amount of time. You don't feel like you can get your questions answered, but what worries me is when people don't get their questions answered. And so they go to Google and then they just start searching for everything and, right. and, oh my gosh, the information or misinformation that's out there is terrifying. And mm -hmm. I, it, it really just boggles my mind, the things that people put online that other people see that as the truth of like, this must be it. So utilizing your, your, your physician, your PA, whoever you're working with, because mm -hmm. they know all of the details. Google does not know your medical history. Google does not know your lab results. Google does not know your preferences or your medications. And, and so really using the people that are in your healthcare realm is the gold standard when it comes to getting information. I mean, even, even with us and people that are in our plant powered kidneys, Facebook group or something, you know, there's, there's only so much that we can do in that kind of environment to right. help. We, we can provide support and ideas, but at the end of the day, it's, it's your healthcare team that they are the ones who really know how to help you and how to answer these kinds of things. Exactly. How yeah, does someone get a hold of you and, and what do you, uh, you mentioned that you've got the Facebook group, um, you know, if somebody was a, geez, I, 
I never thought that, you know, maybe I have, you know, kidney damage. I feel like, you know, whenever I'm not going to the bathroom enough or I'm not, who would have thought thirst cues? Uh, you know, people wouldn't think about that. How would they get in touch with you? So we have a ton of resources on our website and it's plantpoweredkidneys.com. We have free meal plans. We have guides. We have, I mean, we have very, very comprehensive articles for stage three, stage four, and stage five kidney disease. So I would say our blog is probably like the best thing for them to look into. Um, our team of dietitians works with people one-on-one -on -one in the United States. We have to, uh, as dietitians, we go by the country laws, which U.S., we work in the U.S. only, but then also each state has its own law too. So right. we do need to follow that, but people, if they're interested in working with one of our dietitians, they can apply to work with us there. Um, but I would definitely say the blog is like the first thing to go to. We All of our articles are written by myself, my dietitians. Um, so it's, it's all evidence-based and they're to provide free resources. Oh, that is awesome. The other question that I have before we kind of wrap everything up, the nutrition aspect of when you start working with a patient, how does the nutrition aspect come into play? Oh, it is. I mean, I'm a dietitian, so I'm very biased, but it's the coolest thing. And it's so interesting. And there's so many things that people can do. I mean, the, the first thing that right away when people hear or learn about kidney damage that they have, even if it's just a little bit, there's so much out there that says you, there's nothing you can do, including healthcare professionals. A lot of physicians just aren't aware because they're not in the nutrition realm. They just don't know. And it's not their fault, but they have so many other things they're taking care of. They don't know the nutrition side. And so they don't realize how many things that we can do, but we can focus on getting so many more nutrients into a person rather than avoiding because the old renal diet, and I, I mean, it's not even that old because just a few years ago when I was working dialysis and in the hospitals and all of that, I remember these handouts that would talk about all the foods to avoid, no more potatoes, no more avocados, no more bananas, all of these things, these really nutritious, good for you, good tasting foods, no longer available. And that's not the case anymore, that we are now looking in the renal nutrition world of all of the opportunities and more evidence is coming out to see, to show us that it's actually more beneficial when people get more of these foods into their body. And it's going to be different person to person, of course, because all of our bodies are different, but what I have found basically across the board, and we have helped hundreds thousands at this point of people with kidney damage. And they all come to us saying, I'm starving. I can't, I, I don't know what to eat. I'm freaking out. I feel like every little piece of food I put into my body is going to hurt my kidneys because that's the way the body works. The kidney, the kidney filters, everything we put into it. And so we do a lot of education about how to include more food in the diet, how to do that in a safe way that it's not just a matter of like, of preventing the kidneys from failing, but it's actually of boosting the kidney health of really letting the kidneys do the 101 things that they do to keep us healthy all day that we don't even realize. So that's really a big thing that we talk about is how to get more nutrients into the body. And there are some that we need to be more cautious with like protein, for example, is something it's always, I don't think it's ever going to not be a trend 
in the food world, but protein is something that everybody has to be aware of when they have kidney issues, because it's a very hard nutrient to take care of. So for the, for the kidneys to take care of. So that's something that we talk about and we talk about potentially a lower protein diet. Um, but many times it's just about getting back to a regular healthy diet because a lot of us overeat protein. It's just, a, yeah, yeah it's sure. just much, much higher oh, than me. Yeah. So but, all of course in moderation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and we're getting into, you know, the holidays, like Thanksgiving is coming up. And so we talk a lot about all the things to include on the plate. We talk about all of the, the sweet potatoes and the cranberry sauce and yeah, a little bit of turkey and all the good things about making sure that they are eating well, enjoying themselves and not, not being in this constant fear of what am I going to do now? That's going to hurt me over the long run. And I don't realize it. So quick question. What's, yeah. what's going to be on your Thanksgiving plate? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to do a bunch of roasted vegetables. I mean, I love roasted butternut squash and Brussels sprouts. We're definitely going to do cauliflower for sure. I love, um, it's actually a, a curry cauliflower. That's amazing. And just so delicious with all the spices. So I love having that. Um, probably I'll have some Turkey. I can't see, I don't see myself not having Turkey. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Oh my gosh. We're having a bunch of people get together. And so it's, you know, going to be a potluck kind of thing. So I'm going to say just like a smorgasbord of mm. trying all the different things, all the fun family recipes and everything that I can, everything that I can enjoy and, and feel really good about and really grateful to enjoy. Ah, love that. Favorite piece of pie, apple or pumpkin? Ooh, oh, I'm going to say apple. Mm. Yeah. All good stuff. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> you do. Oh, wow. So, um, Cassie, what's going to be on your um, Thanksgiving plate? Well, you know, we're going to do obviously a lot of traditional things, the turkey, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, butternut squash for sure. Uh, I like to make a butternut squash soup uh, mm -hmm. that is delish. Of course, pumpkin pie uh, and some variation of all those that are, quote, the healthy version. Doesn't mean that they don't taste good. It's just a healthier version. So everything will be made with uh, vegan cream cheese because I do put a little bit of cream cheese in my mashed potatoes, plant-based butter, of course. Uh, and I'm also doing, I think, a cheesy sauce that's actually made from soaked cashews, a great yeah. recipe. Uh, so there, there's many ways to have, uh, of course, gluten-free stuffing along with regular stuffing. Uh, we go back and forth with that. But, you know, everything uh, that is traditional and I take that recipe and we'll make it. Uh, sometimes we have to make double of the same thing, but different recipe to help everyone with their dietary needs. And then other things just to help their version, uh, because it's one of those holidays where, you you know, you have that one big meal and then you're grazing uh, either before and or after. Mm -hmm. So we want to uh, catch that break of good health uh, all through the day at the same time, enjoying all the tastes of the season. So we're pr pretty excited about that. And of course, you'll be here, Jan. Yes. It'll, it'll, it'll be even that much more fun when you're surrounded by family and friends and, and good times. But I, I, you know, I think this is a great topic. I think uh, we would love to have you on again to dive into a little bit more and really getting into that nutritional piece to it. Uh, because people forget that, you know, if you go back to the basics and it's not to say 
<clears throat> that uh, nutrition alone is going to cure. Uh, we're not saying that, uh, but it really does impact uh, a plethora of different things that are going on in our body. And it's, there are great stepping stones to start that way before you have to be forced into, say, a prescription and or dialysis in this case. But uh, yeah, I would love to have you back and talk a little bit more about the nutritional piece in those actual food groups. A lot of people probably don't realize because of how things were in the past. Wow, so much uh, to, to cover on Monday Mindset, always health and wellness and how we can better and improve ourselves. And you wanna be, you wanna have more power and control you got to get the knowledge behind you. Seek out those that are ex experts in this particular field. And remember, don't discount nutrition and nutritionists. Uh, you know, like you had said, all doctors, they take one nutritional course throughout their uh, early years of, you know, getting the education they need to, to, to be that expert. That is not a law. And uh, I can also attest that a lot of doctors don't know the value of nutrition. So make sure that you're you know, looking for other avenues before they go ahead and write that script pad um, because there's so many good foods that we have that really can aid our bodies into uh, just even into that healing mode. Um, it is Monday Mindset. Go out, be positive, be grateful, uh, and pay it kind, pay it forward. With that, this is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Boss, live with you. Sisters. Hey, everyone. It's Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 5.0. Jen, this has been such an amazing podcast. We thank you so much. And obviously we want to have you back on. So um, more conversation to follow. Mindset Monday, have a good day, everybody. And remember, you can always make a difference. Thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now. Bye. -bye.